Hello and welcome to Curious City. With a difference, we're on lockdown. Um, this is all about helping creative freelancers, indie businesses, arts companies raise awareness about their current plight and tell you how you can help them. So if you're keen to get in touch or you know someone that needs some help, please email me letty at curious.art. And just to say, we are recording this online so the audio isn't usual industry studio spec. So forgive us for that and enjoy. Hello and welcome to another episode of Curious City on Lockdown. Today I am talking to Sean Morley, who's, well he was, an award-winning comedian and promoter, now significantly unemployed. Thanks sure. for having me. You're really welcome. Um, so first, I mean, first things first, you are a survivor. Oh yeah, I, um, I've, I've, I've had what I believe to be COVID, as um, some people might know. The ability to be conclusive with that is quite limited right now, but quite tricky, yeah. Probably um, very, you... very unlucky if I caught something else that's similar yeah. to COVID, which has allowed me to believe I have COVID, but actually I'm still as susceptible as everyone else. So what? what I mean, what was it like? Not awful. It's kind of grim. It's not great. Fever, bed bound. Um, not too many respiratory problems, which throws in a bit of ambiguity about what I actually was. Um, but again, like we're living in this strange world where like Public Health England will give you this very simplified bit of information like COVID equals cough. And that's like the, the, yeah. the limits of what, what it is. But then if you yes. go on the World Health Organization, turns out COVID is actually a very complicated illness with lots of ways of presenting inside that the human body. Um, and could you just, uh, for, for our listeners, where are you today? What's your um, quarantine existence like on a day-to-day -day basis? Hmm. Well, my day-to-day -day basis has only really cropped up since I recovered. My day-to-day -day basis before that was lying in bed. So I've had a real like 28 days later kind of experience where I was ill and completely quarantined Absolutely. before the lockdown. And now I do have the ability to go on like my mandated walk. And I've only been out of the house like once or twice. But it's really eerie because I didn't get to see that like gradual shift to this, to this complete ghost town. So at the moment, I'm mainly just staying around in the house. Um, I'm doing a lot more podcasts. I've done a few live streams. Hmm? You're, sorry, you're doing your podcast and some live streams? Yeah, podcasts and live streams at the moment. So actually my diary which I've just had to like flush out is now starting to have more bits and pieces in it again, which is nice. Great. So yeah, what is the, obviously we've, we've heard about the personal impact of, of the virus, mm -hmm. but I mean, professionally, what does it mean for you? Well, I mean, no income. So if, if, if we think of a profession as a way of earning money, uh, it has meant the complete cessation of uh, having a profession. Um, I guess it's like given me a time to reflect and, and stop. I've been performing and promoting comedy since university. So that's like 18 and I'm 30 now. So like, this is the first time I've existed as an adult outside of like a loop of monthly events. I've never not had a show to promote as an adult. So it's been kind it of eerie. Um, it's like having the bends. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm not usually around six o'clock, seven o'clock, I will get on social media and, and be like, what, <laughs> what is not selling enough? What do I need to start 
hammering on about online. Um, and now I can just post what I like or not post anything in that early evening window. It's incredible. It's quite liberating. Hmm. And I think I might come back to it with like, I think I might change a lot of things and not just resume. Business the, as the, usual. Yeah, well, I've never had a chance to reflect on, you know, the fundamentals of what I was doing and why I was doing it because there's not enough hours in the day sometimes. No, I, don't, I, think, I think people are feeling that a lot. Um, but, I mean, can you give us an idea of, I mean, are you going to sort of reevaluate to the point of, oh, I'm going to become a dentist or <laughs> going to um, stick with the comedy but maybe approach it slightly differently or how do you think these these moments of reflection are going to manifest themselves okay well i'll try and describe an idea i have in my head but if i can give like the proviso it's kind of primordial and probably a bit nebulous but i've always had this idea that like comedy showcases and i guess like to a degree like the idea of a showcase format that exists in the arts is always there as a kind of practical necessity but from like an artistic perspective it's quite limited the mm-hmm. idea that we've got these disparate people from disparate places who are just coming and performing like this predetermined set that they do and then they're going off again and what you're sort of seeing is a little collage of like completely unconnected ideas yeah and that's sort of how the industry turns on on those because it makes sense and it's practical and it's modular and it can all fit together but i've ended up getting really into like I guess I've had an interest in like the New York experimental comedy scene where everyone lives in one city enough and there's it's so much more extreme in its competitiveness than London that people have ended up doing far more fringe ideas and a lot of those are like complete novelty format nights where everyone's made one idea with a massive collaborative emphasis that will exist once and then disappear. And I tried my hands at doing that kind of thing in the past. I I dedicated one year (laughs) to doing a show a month that was made collaboratively and would only happen once. And it kind of killed me and broke my back a little bit, but. You're gonna go back to that. (laughs) I wanna find something in the spirit of it that's not as backbreaking. But I so don't by how. collaborative, do you mean um, pulling together lots of like lots of different comedians? Yeah, a team of sorts. Yeah. Um, well, you know where you can do that, don't you? Well, this is. I mean, this is a talk I was planning to have. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can ha- you can come and have it at the Curiosity Shop, which is which is going to be the new venue when all this is over. Nice. Um, so can we just talk a little bit about Edinburgh? Were you going to go to Edinburgh this year? Yeah, I had, uh, I, I had paid my registration fees and I was just about to pay my down payment on my accommodation. But uh, luckily I had asked if I could have a, a week or two because I had lots of shows. I had lots of shows, which is almost certainly where I caught COVID, but it also allowed me to ask for a reprieve from my down payment. And I mean, do you think that what's the impact I mean, obviously it's difficult to predict, but the cancellation of Edinburgh, what kind of impact is that going to have or might potentially have on on the comedy industry? Oh, wow. Um, Do you know what? I think it's going to be a double-edged sword. I ultimately think that Edinburgh is kind of this Goliath that has loads of problems, but it's too institutionally huge Mm. 
to really feel any impetus to change any of the like it's it, it edinburgh fringe can't be egalitarian because there's just so much money and there's so much like you know all the excesses of like people who are rich independently just being able to like climb up the ladder really fast using edinburgh as like a fulcrum to get media in because they can afford pr and so on yeah there's those people been clamoring about this for a really long time but you know edinburgh is already like so exploitative and like completely exploitative to the people of scotland who live in that city anyway i don't think that they were ever going to listen to us so the idea that maybe this monolith might end up being diminished is kind of exciting but at the same time it will leave this like massive gap where actually nothing will fill that void and there's really no <laughs> there's no reason to be optimistic that what fills it will be in any way more egalitarian or better than what has been left behind so i mean i keep thinking about um you know all these all these comedians across mm. the country kind of sort of suddenly their main focus for the year has been kiboshed mm. i mean do you think there's going to be a lot of furious writing going on for for next shows or do you think what do you think all of all of the funny people in the world are going to be spending this time doing it i mean the the comedy community is so vast yeah. that i think they're going to go in a million and one different directions mm. um i think a lot of people are a bit older in the tooth are just going to be like well i'll just do edinburgh next year and you know, they know what their routine and their pattern for their year looks like. So this is just a bad year and then it will go back to being business as usual. But then I think people who are like someone like myself, um, I've had to develop a way of doing live streams. And I've come up with a little format with that, that like embeds the idea of donations as a, as a ticket price and a way of interacting with the stream. And I could get, if I got to the point where that just earned me the same amount per stream as a gig would, then post-pandemic everything returns to normal i kind of have a new thing i could continue to explore if the i mean i don't have the captive audience that i'm currently provided but yet yet, yet. well i just mean at the moment everyone's trapped <laughs> indoors so i'm just gonna get a larger percentage of people yeah. <laughs> um, now that i'm not competing with nature cinema friendship socializing alcohol yeah. um, i don't think i can compete with all of those i don't know you could get you can always try Oh, I will always try. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> just want to be glumly realistic. Um, okay, can you tell us about the um, the live streams that you're doing? Where people can find them? What they can expect? How it works? Um, so I've set up a Twitch account just because it's like one of the biggest live streaming platforms, and therefore it's not too complicated to learn. Um, right, what was the, what was the name of that? Twitch TV. Twitch Twitch TV. Yeah. Twitch. So it was. So it was originally like just for gaming streams because that's like streaming and gaming is just, they've just ended up having the overlap like streaming is so associated with people playing video games. But it has, before the pandemic, it did already branch out to like people doing art and music and a lot of people just chatting or, or eating food. Are you aware of that? Um, that? I think it's like more of an East Asian trend of uh, people eating meals with you as being like a live stream thing because... It evokes the idea of family and community. Wow. What, yes. so you go and eat, eat food with strangers? 
So there are influencers whose uh, appeal revolves around the fact they'll make a really nice meal and they will eat it in front of you and ask about your day. Wow. It's nice. It feels nice. Uh, I haven't really done it, but I've watched a couple. I think I'm going to have to do it. Yeah, the idea is you eat your meal as well, and it means... Oh, right, okay. So you don't you just have, eat theirs, yeah, fine. I mean, you, I mean, there's no way, if, you know, you can. I'm just, I think to get in the spirit of it, you ought to be eating as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so what's what's your sort of addressy handly thing? Where do people find you? Oh, um, so I'm at twitch.tv slash Sean Maul. So my name's Sean Morley, but... Uh, that's not an uncommon enough name, so I've dropped the last two letters to be Sean Maul, which is a, a unique handle on most platforms. Excellent. So that's where you'll find me. I'm on there very regularly, and you're better off following me on social media to find out when I'll be doing anything. I'm I'm trying to make my, my streams more like shows, even though a lot of live streams are supposed to be like ambient and you're sort of just watching someone chill out for like three or four hours. I'm trying to make my like hour-long productions um and and what are you using to make those productions is it kind of archived content or is it you doing live stuff or or a hodgepodge of all of it they've they've revolved around me boasting about having great abilities at a particular skill the first one was i was going to write um the the newest big family sitcom uh and then the second one was i was going to make memes and show how easy it is to go viral online but each time i've sort of put in a mechanism where if people donate like just a small amount of money with a suggestion i will unconditionally incorporate that suggestion into the creative works i'm making so that what i end up outputting is like incoherent and bad even though i started this project with the best of intentions and then i might get interrupted through skype by different characters or people who sort of just drop in um, while I'm trying to work. Got that element of, of sort of the liveness of a performance and that sort of um, not audience participation but interaction. Yeah, and 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 I think one thing that is key to it is that their interaction directly affects, like, it has a cumulative effect because if they've messed up one of the premises of the script, that's going to continue to cause me problems in forty minutes. <laughs> Oh, sounds excellent. I'm, when's the next one? Do you know? I don't know. I'm still working on it at the moment. I'm not at the point where I'm doing them with any regularity. They're just... Uh-huh. I, I don't want to commit myself to something if I don't have the ideas for it yet. So I'm... Yeah, good idea. I'm just doing it in piecemeal at the moment. So what is, just before, just before we finished, what is the first thing we're going to do when lockdown is lifted? Oh, Wow. I think I'll continue to live as I am, but I'll feel a lot happier about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll still be here in my pyjamas, but I won't feel the anxiety. They are very nice pyjamas, I have to say. Thank you very much. It's a sort of, is that Paisley passion? Paisley? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very smart. It's like a two-set Paisley. Oh, he's getting up on the chair. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Oh, matching. Fantastic. Yeah, it's like a sort of a purple Paisley. It's, it's uh, I like having the excuse to wear them all day long now. And no one can really like, you know, I don't think it currently is indicative of a bad lifestyle, given no. it's sort of pandemic chic. Absolutely not. You should see what our producer Joe wears on a daily basis. Anyway, um, finally... Have you got any, you know, maybe th- three to five top quarantine watches, as in, like, what should people, comedy-wise? Are there, is there anything online, any 
series, any BBC Three stuff, anything, whatever. Any recommendations to oh, cheer wow. people up? Um, I'm a big fan of the original public access Chris Gethard show, which is all on YouTube. Um, I think Next Up Comedy is a great place to subscribe to if you want to see interesting UK comedy. Um, I think Staff Let's Flats is still on 4OD. Yeah. Uh, check that out. Good choice. Um, Delightful Sausage is going to be releasing a podcast called Tiredness Kills. Um, I think that's going to be very good. Yeah. Um, you can listen to my podcast, Mandatory Redistribution Party, a left-wing politics comedy podcast. Definitely. Tick. Uh, and that's f- four, right in between oh, the, the range fun. I was asked for. <laughs> oh, perfect. Sean Morley, thank you very, very much. Thank you for having me. It's Let us nice. know when the next live stream's happening and we'll get it out and about. Will do. Thank you very much. Thank you. A Curious Arts production. <laughs>